0: would like to thank uh, Pastor Turner for his great kindness in inviting me to preach uh, to you this morning. And with it being Thanksgiving, I think it'd be very appropriate, especially with the Pastor Appreciation Day, for us to really take some time this weekend uh, to give thanks to God for the people who have had a spiritual impact on our lives, for those spiritual leaders who have invested in us. And when I think of pastor turner i don't have a lot of heroes i would say my list is pretty short but pastor turner is on that list and he has had such a profound impact on my life and uh, the lives of our church people Uh, it was amazing to see over the last month as he was in agonizing pain his feet swelling uh, his back uh, just writhing in pain he'd walk through the office and uh Give a kind word to the students at the Metro Baptist Learning Center. Joke around with them. Invest in them. And as I watched that and and so many other instances where he's just given of himself, even when he's not feeling well or when he's going through difficult things, I've just been so inspired and uh, so challenged by his example. Didn't want to get emotional this morning, uh, but he's just such a hero, and I'm so thankful for him. And uh, just the way that he always has a smile, uh, no matter the trial he's going through, you'd never know he's had a bad day or that things are going on behind the scenes, because there's always that smile. And not just him, but also Mrs. Turner. Every time I see her, she's so kind, uh, so warm, uh, so happy, even though she's going through much of the same things. And so I'm just so thankful for this godly couple and for your church, Um, and I know that You're going through something very difficult, but I know that Romans 8.28 still rings true, that our God does work all things together for good to those that love Him. And I am more than confident that God is going to fulfill that promise on your behalf because you have a pastor and a pastor's family who love the Lord, and you love the Lord. And so God is at work on your behalf, working all things together for your good. I'm also very thankful for Pastor Kevin uh, he's a constant encouragement, just how hard he works and how much he, he loves the Lord and, and serves, doing so many things that people don't see, uh, but God sees it. And I would really urge you to pray much for him as he is carrying a very heavy load. You already know that, uh, but just to remind you, keep him in your prayers. And, um, and then so thankful for Pastor Caleb. What a privilege to get to see him and To grow up with someone, see them at Bible College, and then see them years down the road faithfully serving the Lord, Uh, nothing could encourage me more than that, and uh, it was great to have him preach for us on Thursday night. Uh, The Lord used him mightily, and uh, he was a blessing to our church. And I could say much more about more of you folks. Your whole church is such a blessing to us, and just so glad to be here. But if you would, please take the Word of God with me. We'll turn in our Bibles to Paul's second epistle to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll begin reading there in a few moments. But another way that your pastor has impacted me and for which I am very grateful is really he is to be credited for imparting to me uh, my passionate love for basketball. Had it not been for Pastor Turner, uh, I probably would have stuck with hockey or I I really liked football, Uh, but he really introduced me to basketball and He and my dad invested hours and hours of their time uh, coaching young homeschoolers, and uh, I'll cherish those memories, but he really got me on the path of basketball, and I I love basketball, probably too much. Uh, I've had to block ESPN on my phone. I have to borrow my wife's phone to look at ESPN. Uh, It it can become consuming, but I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, and, uh, yeah, I know that... That, that goes against some people. But I jumped on the bandwagon early, okay? If you know anything about uh, the Warriors, I was a fan of the Warriors, uh, you know, a moderate fan uh, when, um, and now I can't even remember his name, so it's, I'm losing my credibility. Coach before Steve Kerr, what was his name? Jackson, Mark Jackson. When Mark Jackson was coach. That's when I began getting interested in the Warriors, so I jumped on the bandwagon early. But anyway. In 2016, the summer of 2016, my basketball world was devastated. Uh, The Golden State Warriors had had an historic season. They had gone 73 and 9, so they had won 73 games and only lost nine. They had broken the Bulls' record, and so they had brought about these comparisons, and people were saying, "If, if, if the The Golden State Warriors team of this year were to play the the Bulls of the 90s with Michael Jordan. Would they win? And there was this great debate, is this the greatest team we've ever seen? They were going through the playoffs. Things were going well. They got to the conference finals. They were down 3-1 to the Oklahoma City Thunder with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and co. They came back down 3-1, made it to the finals. The historic season couldn't have been going better. Now they're up against LeBron James, with a chance to make history, to not only go 73-9, but then get the crown to win it all at the end. And what did they do? They blew a 3-1 lead. They were up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, my hopes were high. I was so excited, and they blew a 3-1 lead. And they became one of the greatest internet memes uh, in the history of our world, and all the people could talk about. Uh, For the next few weeks, the next few months, is the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. And I was ashamed to wear my Warriors apparel after that devastating loss. What's the point of sharing this story? The Golden State Warriors had everything going for them. They had the best basketball season that, that anyone has ever had in the National Basketball Association. Everything was going for them, but they didn't finish well. And because they didn't finish well, they're not really remembered for all those wins. They're remembered for blowing a 3-1 lead. And as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have everything going for us. We are on the winning side. Because the Lord Jesus stepped down from heaven and came and lived a perfect life in our behalf and bled and died on a cross to pay for our sins... And rose from the grave, conquering death and conquering our sin and offering all humanity everlasting life. Because of him, we are on the winning side. Amen. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. We've got everything going for us. But you know what, Christian? Every single one of us has a race to run. And it is our job it is our responsibility. It is our choice whether or not we will finish that race well. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are given perhaps the greatest example in Scripture of a Christian finishing well. So if you'll read with me, uh, let's go ahead and stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4 we'll read verses 6 through 8. The Bible says, and, and the Apostle Paul is speaking as he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. These are the last inspired words of the Apostle Paul. And he says in verse 6 of chapter 4, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You may be seated. That is the words of a man who finished well. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've got a crown in heaven waiting for me. And I don't know about you, but this is how I want to finish my race. And you might be sitting here this morning and thinking, I've got years left to live. I'm young. I've got decades ahead of me. Well, can I remind you, nothing's guaranteed. And the Lord Jesus could return any moment. We're told that in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, He's going to return. That means every time you blink is an opportunity for you to open your eyes and see the Lord's face, and be with him when he returns. And so whether you're young or old, whether you're just starting out in your Christian life, or you've been at this for decades, we should all be very concerned with finishing well. We should all treat every day as if it could be our last. And so as we look at the example of Paul from this passage of Scripture, if you're taking notes, how can we finish well? Like Paul? Well, number one, if you want to finish well, encircle yourself with Christ-obsessed friends. Encircle yourself with Christ-obsessed friends. So Paul is in prison. He's going to be executed any day, and he's writing to Timothy, a young man that he had mentored, that most people think he had led to Christ. And in verse 9, he's writing to Timothy. He says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. That phrase, do thy diligence, it means use speed, hurry, be zealous. It's like when a husband is being impatient and he's waiting on his wife to finish getting ready to go out the door and he says, hurry up. Now I don't recommend that. Men, <laughs> do you want to have a happy marriage? Just be patient. Uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> I know from experience. <laughs> But he's telling Timothy, hurry up, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And then in in case Timothy missed it, in verse 21, he says, do thy diligence to come before winter. Timothy, I want to be with you in my final hours. I don't have long left to live. I want you to be with me. And we learn from this that Paul did not want to be alone in his last days, but this is not a unique circumstance for the Apostle Paul. This is how he conducted his entire ministry. We read in in Acts about Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Silas. So many of Paul's letters, uh, like when he's writing to the Philippians, he says Paul and Timotheus. Paul hated being alone. I find it interesting in Acts chapter 17, because of persecution, while the apostle Paul was on a missionary journey, he had to escape a city kind of by cover of night, and he had to leave Silas and Timothy behind. But in Acts 17 verse 14, it says, immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So the picture we have here is that Paul had to flee because of persecution, but as soon as he gets to Athens, he sends word back to St. Silas and Timothy, get here as soon as you can. I don't want to be alone. And Christian, can I remind you, if the apostle Paul couldn't live the Christian life on his own... What makes you and I think that we can? The Christian life was never meant to be run alone. And if we're seeking to be conformed into the image of our Savior, he was not a loner. He's never been a loner. He has enjoyed from eternity past unbroken communion with his heavenly Father. And do you realize that when when God invited you to himself, when you believed on Christ and became a Christian, you were invited into an eternal fellowship? The communion of God? The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. And Paul knew that. And that's why he finished well, because he didn't try to make it alone. But if you notice from our text, Paul didn't just want Timothy to join him in Rome. Notice who else he wanted to be at his side in his final days. Verse 11, he says, only Luke is with me. And that's Luke, the beloved physician uh, who wrote that gospel record. But then he says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Mark, I like to describe him as the turncoat who ended up turning out. On that first missionary journey with the apostle Paul, John Mark quit on them. He left the mission. He was a turncoat he he betrayed their trust, he left them when they needed him and Paul was so upset about that situation that when he was going to go going to go on his next missionary journey, Barnabas, who is Mark's cousin, was determined to take Mark. I, I know he messed up before, but Let's take him this time. I think he's ready. And Paul wouldn't have anything to do with it. I'm not taking Mark. And the Bible says the contention was so sharp between them over Mark that they separated. And that's why Paul ended up going up with going with Silas. And so Christian, we've got some tremendous encouragement from God's word here this morning. Here we have a man who to Paul was useless as far as ministry, missionary work went. He didn't want anything to do with him as far as the ministry went. He, he failed the first time. He, he, he couldn't stick it out. I don't want him going along. But all these years later, look at how Paul describes Mark. He says, For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Amen. That word profitable, it means useful, serviceable. Valuable. So, this man who to Paul was in in many ways, as far as ministry went, useless, is now very useful. And I am encouraged by that. That even though at times in my Christian life I have failed God, I have been a liability to the cause of Christ. I have not fulfilled my responsibilities as I should. But I'm so thankful that I serve a God. Who doesn't give up on me. And he doesn't give up on you. And if he could take someone like Mark. And make him profitable for the ministry once again. He can do the same for you. Some practical applications that I think we should take from this. If you are still breathing. And it looks like everybody is. I certainly hope you are. If you are still breathing. You can still be a valuable vessel to God no matter what has happened in your past, no matter how you've tripped up before, you are still a valuable vessel in God's work. Also, I think we should see from this that we shouldn't give up on people so easily. There may be someone in your life who's wandered from God, who maybe it seems has quit on God like John Mark did. And you might feel beyond hope You might feel like it's too late for that person. Can I encourage you? Don't make the same mistake that Paul did. Don't give up so easily. Be a Barnabas. Give that person another chance. Keep praying for them. I'm so thankful for Barnabas. Were it not for him, who knows if we would have the gospel record of Mark, but because he didn't give up on his cousin, Mark became profitable for the ministry. But what I really want us to see from this, as far as uh, these applications of finishing well go, is I want you to really notice the caliber of people with whom Paul surrounded himself, not only in his final days here, but really throughout his life. You have Timothy, who he's urging to come to him. And in Philippians 2 verse 20, we read of of Timothy, Paul said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. You know what Paul was saying? Of all the people I know, at least that could help you Philippians out, Timothy's the only one who really has the same mindset as I do. Who's really on the same page with me, who really only cares about the will of God and advancing the cause of the gospel. And this Timothy, that's who Paul wanted to be with him. So there's Timothy, then there's Luke. We read in Luke 1-3, in the prologue to Luke's gospel, he says that I have had perfect understanding of all things from the life of Jesus from the very first. So here you have a man who knew the very life of Jesus better than just about anyone. And this is who Paul wanted to be with. And then we have Mark. And I just marvel at this. You have the Apostle Paul who, who wrote uh, a third or at least a half of the New Testament, writing to Timothy, to whom two books are addressed, and mentioning in this verse Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, and Mark. I mean, there's just... I can't imagine what the conversation would have been between these men when they finally got together in prison with Paul. And you know what I think they would have been talking about? I don't think it would have been the, the games at the Roman Colosseum, although Paul seemed to have an interest in sports. I think what would have consumed their conversation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are the type of people that Paul wanted to surround himself with. What applications can we make to our lives? Well, first, we need to make friends with these same gospel writers. You know, sometimes we read scripture and we're kind of envious. Man, all these guys got to hang out together. These legends of the faith. Guess what? You get to spend time with Mark and Luke too. Open up their gospel records. And you can get to know the Lord Jesus just like they did. Also, I think this should teach us to develop genuine friendships with others in our church family that go beyond just the surface. In our busy Western culture, we have to work at this. Because we can even be at all three services of the church every week, but not really be engaging in intimate fellowship with other believers. And we can come, we can sit, we can sing, we can shake hands and leave, and never really commune with fellow believers around the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, this is why you hear so many Christians say things like this. I just don't really have a lot in common with the people at my church. I just have a hard time having meaningful conversation because we just don't really connect. Our lives are so different. And yes, that's the case. As I look out here, I see people old and young and and all stages of life. And yes, there are differences, but guess who we have in common? The Lord Jesus Christ. And if our friendships would stop being about surface issues of of whether we like the same sports or whether we have the same type of jobs. And if our fellowship would begin to be centered around the Lord Jesus, you would begin to experience a friendship at a level like you could never imagine. The same type of friendships that Paul enjoyed. I'm also convicted from this passage though, another application that we should make. If we want to finish well, is you and I need to be striving to be the type of people like Timothy, Luke, and Mark. We should ask ourselves, if, if someone in my congregation was having to select some friends to, to have fellowship with, kind of like Paul was selecting people to be with him in his final days, if someone was looking for a Christ-obsessed individual who, who would help them draw closer to the Lord, would they pick you? Would they pick me? Do I talk about the Lord Jesus? Is he more than just words on a page or lyrics to a song? Is he, is he real to me? Is he really my best friend? Does it come out in the way I talk? I'm convicted asking these questions. But I pray that we will strive to be these type of friends. That when people are around us, What they hear about is the Lord Jesus, and they're drawn closer to him. If we're going to finish well like Paul, we need to encircle ourselves with Christ-obsessed friends, but then secondly, if you're going to finish well, focus your energy on others. Focus your energy on others, especially for the furtherance of the gospel. I marvel at the Apostle Paul in these last words, these last verses, this is his last opportunity to pen something in the scriptures. And what is he consumed with? Others. And In these last verses, uh, by my count, he counts 15 friends and he names them. He's not focused on himself. He's focused on others. The only request he makes for himself in verse 13, he says, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Of all the things he could have asked for, you know, if it were my last days, you know what I'd be asking for? Bring me some Tim Hortons. It's my last chance. (laughs) That would be on the list. But Paul, what's he asking for? A cloak. He's thinking, it's going to be cold come, uh, come wintertime and Timothy. If you don't bring me a cloak, I'm going to be wanting to steal yours. So bring me one. And then he's asking for the books. Now, besides Revelation, where it's talking about the books in heaven, eight out of the nine occurrences in the New Testament where this Greek word for books is used, it's referring to the scriptures. So there's been a lot of different theories about what exact books Paul was talking about. But come on, let's just make a, a rational conclusion. The man loved the Bible. And just about everywhere else in scripture, it's referring, uh, this word is referring to the Bible. So I think what he wanted were books of the Bible. And then these these parchments, they were a, a durable form of animal skin that you could write on. Now, this is my theory, and you can take it or leave it. It's not explicit here in the scripture, but I believe that in Paul's last days. He wanted to read as much of the Word of God as he could, and I think that he wanted to write as many letters as he could in his final days, encouraging the churches, encouraging men like Timothy. That's what I believe he probably wanted to do. But we can definitely conclude from Paul's focus here that he was focused on others, and that's why he finished well. And you know what I am prone to do when I'm having a hard time? When I have a bad day, when things aren't going like how I want them to at work, when that printer in the back of the office malfunctions, that's the closest I've got to cussing, I think. <laughs> I haven't, but that printer uh, can malfunction. Overall, it works well. But when things are not going well in our lives, you know what we're prone to do? Focus on ourselves. Poor me. Poor, poor me that I have to go through this circumstance or that I'm having this problem. And we become so self-absorbed. And can I encourage you, if the Apostle Paul, in a, in a dungy Roman prison, facing execution, could focus on others in the midst of his trial, so can I and so can you. So let's follow his example and focus on others. And you know what we see from this passage? that because Paul lived for others rather than himself, he had people all over the place doing the work of the gospel, even though he was trapped in prison. In verse 10, he talks about how he sent Crescens to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia to do the work of the Lord. And then in verse 12, he sent Tychicus to Ephesus, uh, probably as as his mailman delivering the letter and probably to take Timothy's place, They're in Ephesus. And then in verse 19, he mentions Prissa and Aquila, these people who he had invested so much time in and now uh, they were really pastoring a church of their own or at least faithfully serving in Ephesus. And then in verse 20, he mentions how Erastus is in Corinth. And even though he's in prison and soon he's going to die, because he's focused his life on others, the work of the gospel keeps going even though he's trapped in prison. And Christian, can I encourage you, to live such a life focused on others that you will either leave behind gospel workers at your death or you will bring them with you to heaven at the rapture. Who are you going to leave behind or who are you going to bring with you? The Apostle Paul. He encircled himself with Christ-obsessed friends he focused his energy on others. And then thirdly, if you want to finish well like him, keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. We read verse 6 earlier. The apostle Paul said, "I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand." That word offered, it means I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And the Levitical priests and the, the, the Jewish uh, sacrificial system, they would, they would have burned offerings, but then uh, kind of as an optional add-on, you could pour a drink offering or a, a thank offering on top of the uh, main sacrifice. And it's a beautiful expression from Paul. He's saying, Lord Jesus, you made the ultimate sacrifice for me. You gave your life. You shed your blood for me. And I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that I get to pour out my life as a small expression, as a little drink offering, on top of your sacrifice for me, as my way of saying thank you for giving your life for me. And and he didn't look at uh, his death here as this this tragedy. He looked at it, I'm offering my soul to you. I've given my life to you and, and my departure is at hand. And so too should we live every day of our lives as an offering to the Lord, as an expression of our thanks. And because Paul had his eyes focused on the Lord, he finished well. Notice with me how many times the Apostle Paul refers back to the Lord in these verses. In verse 8, he says, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. In verse 14, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. You know what Paul was saying? Some people have wronged me. Some people have hurt me. Some people have done everything they could to thwart the work of the gospel, but it's in God's hands. And and I'm not going to focus all my energy on Alexander the coppersmith, those who've done me much evil. I'm going to focus my eyes on the Lord. And then in verse 10, He said, "Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica." And it wasn't just Demas, because in verse 16 he says, "At my first answer, when I." When I stood before Caesar and and I was being accused, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it not be laid to their charge. But Timothy, I'm not worried about those who forsook me. I'm not focusing my energy on them. Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. And then verse 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Yes, there have been some Demases that have forsaken me. Yes, there have been some Alexanders who've opposed me. Yes, there have been some Caesars who've sought to devour me. But my eyes are on the Lord. And because of him, I know that I will finish well. Christian, do you want to finish well like the Apostle Paul? Then let me encourage you and circle yourself with Christ-obsessed friends. Don't try to make it in this Christian life alone. You were never meant to. And God has put you in this church, this body, for you to develop intimate relationships with fellow believers around the Lord Jesus. If you want to finish well, focus your energy on others. Invest in other people. Pour your life into others. Perhaps more than any other way, this is how Pastor Turner has been an example to me. He pours his life into other people. Texting people, praying for people, having prayer meetings, having prayer letters on the wall. His life is all about others. And let me encourage you. No matter who has failed you, no matter how alone you might feel, keep your eyes on the Lord. And if you do that, I can guarantee you will finish well.